All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. And tonight we're going to piggyback kind of on our last few meetings. We're going to go to another one of the Psalms tonight. All right. Before we transition into one of the um, the Karis Bible studies, we'll, I believe we'll be doing the lessons from David. Yeah. But awesome. we'll we'll be doing lessons of David, but just to just to have some just to have some time before we jump into that, we'll be dealing with Psalm twenty three these next couple meetings. All right, so I want us to go to Psalms twenty three. The Lord our shepherd. The Lord our shepherd. Now, those of us who are in the faith, we are believers, we are familiar with that word shepherd to a degree, but that's definitely not a word that you hear all the time. It's not something that is in our common vernacular, right? So I was like, well, you know what? I wonder what ChatGPT had to say about what a shepherd is. So if I ask ChatGPT what a shepherd is, what will they say? So I pulled it up. Chat GPT says a shepherd is a person who raises and cares for sheep, typically in a rural setting. They are responsible for protecting the sheep from predators like wolves, feeding and watering them, guiding them in grazing areas, shearing their wool, and ensuring their overall health and well-being. Shepherd, shepherding has been practiced for thousands of years and is still an important profession in many parts of the world. All right. So that's what ChatGPT had to say, say about what a shepherd is. Now, looking at the first line in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's very personal. All right. Now, you saw what the AI had to say about what a shepherd is, right? In the natural. In the natural. Right. Now that's that's a pretty awesome responsibility. The shepherd is doing a lot for the sheep. But now you think about what David is saying here. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, look, I'm, I'm just going back to what AI told us about the, the natural shepherd. Protects from wolves. So we talk about protection. Feeds and waters the sheep. So we talk about provision. Guiding them in grazing areas. So direction. Right. Sharing their wool. So taking care of their physical well-being, right? The shepherd does all that. This is a natural shepherd over sheep, natural sheep. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd. So the natural result of the Lord being his shepherd is that he will what? He shall not want. 
You know what I love? Shall not lack, because one of the cross references in my Bible and verse says I shall not lack. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the in the Amplified Classic, it reads like this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, I'm, if I'm looking at this, do I, if I had a revelation of, of what this is, should I be in a place where I'm fearing anything in this natural life? Think about it. No. All means, all things taken care of. All means all. Right. Because, I mean, Jesus is the master teacher, right? He refers to himself as shepherd of the sheep. We, we the sheep. And David here says the Lord is his shepherd. And we know God is no respecter of persons. So as he <clears throat> is David's shepherd, isn't he ours too? Let's look at verse two. In King James it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. In Amplified Classic, it says, He makes me lie down in fresh, tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. Now, what are you, what are you hearing here in verse 2? Because I'm looking at this verse and we see that the shepherd, one of the jobs of the shepherd is to guide the sheep, to give direction. To keep the sheep on the path. And in the last part of this verse, you say, he leads me beside the still and restful water. He's not going to lead you somewhere ugly or unhealthy for you. He's not going to test you. I'm sorry. I know I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Not that anybody doesn't know this by heart. You're listening. You know, I'm live. I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, he's not going to do bad stuff to you, basically. He's a good shepherd. He's a good father. He's not going to be, well, you know, he may lead you in those rocky places a little bit, but it's for your own good, buddy. You know, he's leading you in good, healthy places where you get fed nice and, and, and taken care of and you get to drink water if you're not like mm. I, I, I don't know, Julie. I don't know. Uh, is, I, I just, I just got a, I just got a message. Yes. I just got a message from the from this the skeptic, the religious skeptic. He uh -oh. just he has an all caps says heresy. Uh -oh. <laughs> heresy. Well, why should this week be any different than last week? <laughs> right. So let's address now, this. Really, you in trouble? Let's address but let's address this. Let's yeah. address this. Because you know what what Julie said now that's 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 contrary to a lot of the preaching that we've heard 
I mean, you know, us personally, just, you know, over the years and different ministries that we've been a part of and different people that we've heard. So how do we reconcile that? Because we we, we clearly see here in, in Psalm 23 that he makes me lay, lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters, not the rocky, stormy waters, still and restful waters. So what does this represent? It, to me, it represents peace. I mean, you can be in a, uh, to me, that's what I said. You can be in a place where, you know, chaos but you're peaceful. Okay. Well, and our skeptic might be hearing that he leads us in a prosperous life, which is contentious to some people, that word. Mm -hmm. That's true, too. Yeah. Well, he, the thing I agree, it's peace. Yeah. The shalom peace. There right. you go. The bigger definition of peace. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Because... I used to... Go ahead. I used to... Read Psalms of 23. I would uh, read it. Now playing 23. I read. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Serious interrupting. I was thinking, us. like, you know what? I mean, I'm here. It's ranging from 74 degrees Fahrenheit. No, I don't want to keep piling. This shit keep piling. New bag, brand new deposit. Oh my god. Okay. I apologize. Siri got upset with us and started just playing music. Yeah, I, I think we, we got hacked by the religious skeptic now. He is really upset with us. The religious skeptic stuck his nose in here. Nice too, sorry. All right, no, we would not see it. And it's funny that it, it happened when Kevin was speaking. I got yeah, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Uh, but, um, yeah, I was saying I was looking at it as a person, but you know, then I thought more about the parody, you know, it's like comparing a shepherd to a sheep. So, so then I looked at it and thought of myself as a sheep. So, you know, sheep, you know, that. Uh, I looked it up about a sheep. They lie down when they sleep sometimes, and they sleep standing up. But when there's no tension, and they're really restful, and they're really at peace, they will lie down. And they will take a nap lying down, and they will rest when they lie down. But if it's little tension and a little unrest going on, that's when they do it standing up. So very suspicious. Really goes along with what you guys are saying about these. Well, and that's like the water as well. They they literally won't drink if there's any turbulence at all. So mm -hmm. it's got to be still waters. That's good. Even deeper takes there. That's cool. That's good. That's good. And just thinking about you know going to what Jesus said about you know the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? how he provides peace that passes all understanding, right? So peace that passes all understanding represents what Eric was talking about earlier, where 
you can be in a situation where there's turmoil and chaos all around. But you yourself are in a place of peace. And what did David say in Psalm 91? A thousand shall fall on my side, 10,000 in my right hand, but it shall not come to me. I'll only be a spectator. Right? So the only way you can be at peace and in a restful place and in the midst of, of that type of chaos is to have that supernatural Holy Spirit, peace, shalom peace. And I believe that's what's represented here. Because obviously now people will say, okay, because I know the religious skeptic when he when he he sent me the, the heresy text. <laughs> it was when Julie was talking about he won't lead you down places where you know there's turmoil, yucky stuff. Right? Now, what did Jesus say about this world? In this world you have trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. But be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay. Well, it doesn't say open the door, mark trouble, and say yay. <laughs> I mean. Okay. That's good. It doesn't That's say, good. oh, the and trouble. Come on in. Yay. No. And then there says he leads us there. It's, right. There is going to be trouble because it's a fallen world and all this stuff. But he doesn't lead us there. He leads us to peace and quiet and it's funny you say that because I'm sitting here looking at this. There's only six verses, so it's not hard to just scan over. And I was going, you know, the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, referring to God. He makes me lie down, second verse. Third verse, he restores my soul. It's all about he, he, God, God. Forward says, yea, God, walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I know we're getting ready to get there. It doesn't say he leads. It says, yea, though I walk. And not even you have to. It's like, though, it's like I may walk, you know. Mm -hmm. The situation may take you then it goes right back to five. You prepare a table with nice stuff again, you know, and then surely give us some mercy. I picture a table like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's all these good things. Yeah. Like, see. No, see, I don't I don't want y'all to miss Julie's point there. You see how when we're referencing the Lord, we're seeing his his part, his shepherding, right? Mm -hmm. But then you go to verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, why am I walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. My own flesh, stupidity, the stupidity and flesh of others, the demonic influences in the world, the fact that I'm in a world of, you know, that is just fallen, all these things intertwining, right? But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah. Then there's the semicolon. So why will why can I be in a place where I fear no evil? Let's keep reading. For thou with me. For thou with me. In spite of myself, I can trust in his goodness and his mercy. In spite of me. And see, there's that point where I know we were talking about, you know, God leading you now. People are talking about God leading them or putting stuff on them. But then some people will say, well, he allow it. So they say he ain't doing it, but he, he's allowing it to perfect you. 
And that's still wrong because we just mm-hmm. said the scripture, okay? In in this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. He didn't say in this world, I'm going to allow you to have trouble. You just yeah, cause it. You just oh, made yeah. the statement that, okay, in this fallen world, you're going to have stuff, demonic influence, people's negative influence. Family. Oh, be right. It's going to be there. And so, but so it's not God uh, allowing this to teach you something. Now, he can use it, mm-hmm. and he will use. He can use stuff to perfect you, but that's not his he goal, the laws in it. right? That's not his goal to say, "Okay, I'm gonna allow so, this to happen to yeah, you, yeah, so I can get you to this happens. place in me in faith." Or, you know, and it's no, it's not. He understands these things are going to happen, but here's my thing: which I got, he's understand it's going to happen. Well, guess what? He says, "I've already equipped you." With everything you need to go through your life's journey. He knows the junk's gonna come at you, so he right. gives you what you need. So yeah, he already gave us everything we need when we got sick. Everything is in us to handle everything we're gonna go through. The problem with us is that we don't recognize what we have. That's true. And so and I understand you can grow through mm-hmm. tribal tribulation yeah. and, and we're supposed to grow through it, but it's not like he's saying, Okay, I I'm gonna set you up for this, I'm gonna allow you to do this. Just so you can go through all the struggle to get you here, because here's the truth matter is everybody don't come out on top. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Every believer don't come out. Why? Because they don't respond the correct way. Yeah, I got to thinking too this week. I just sat there in my mind. I was like, you know, God, I was thinking about, you know, where sometimes you know, in the church room, we'll say this is like, you know, you may go through something really bad, and when you come out, it's like, whoa, you know, maybe got closer to God through it. And I mean, that's so, you know, true because, you know, you can go through something and God's right with you, you get closer to him because he uses, he doesn't cause bad and no, no means like we're saying, right? He doesn't allow it, but he can use it. And I got to thinking about it, I said, you know, I think it'd be in reference to like a parent and a child and the child goes through something really bad, you know, maybe at school or something and they get hurt or bullied and then the child comes home and the parent's like, you know what? And they comfort him, you know, deal with it. It's like, let's go out for ice cream. Let's hang out tonight. And then they just, you know, they go and have a father-son or mother-daughter time or whatever. And then, you know, they come home that night and the kid's like, wow, what a wonderful time with my parent. And I go, you know, did the parent cause the bad thing? No, you know, but did was it used for something good? Of course. But then again, hey, they didn't have to be bullied for it, right? They could have just hung out anyway. And I got the thing that this week where sometimes it's been hard for me in my past. I go, God, wow, something's so good coming out of this bad thing. And I go, how is that, God? Like, it, I know you didn't do it, God, but it was such a wonderful thing that came out of it. And I kind of came to this conclusion. I'm like, it must have been God talking to me. It was like, God is so good at making junk look beautiful. Right. <laughs> it almost would appear, if you didn't know the truth, that he did the junk. Right. Again. right. <laughs> Just as some thoughts. Right. I was thinking of this week, you know, it's funny to Go ahead, go ahead, Mary. Mary has something. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Okay. Um, well, the, the two things I was thinking of, there are two passages that this reminds me of. One is um, Lamentations 3, where um, he's remembering all the horrible things that are happening. And then he says, this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope that through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because of his compassions. They fail not. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. And then in, in James... Um, James 1, 2, uh, the verse that we all know is, um, my brethren, 
It's translated counted all joys when you fa fail, uh, when you fall into various trials. But when I looked it up, the it wasn't in there in, in the Greek. It was just, my brethren, count all joy when you fall into various trials. And to me, both of those really emphasize it's, it's where our, our mind and our heart are that's going to determine how we see that whole experience mm -hmm. and where we're going to go with it. Because in both of those, it's always coming back to just what Psalm 23 says. You know, it's, it's back to the Lord's faithfulness that's going to shine the light on, on what's good in that experience. And Romans 8, 28, I mean, yeah, Romans 8, it is 28, right? Mm -hmm. Romans 8, 28, we know, you know, dovetails with that as well, that um, he works all things for good. He doesn't cause the evil, but he works it for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So it's, um, I feel like he, he substantiates it a lot through the scriptures, that's good. But to promote that mindset that we was talking about earlier about him allowing stuff, you know, people go to the scripture where he won't put no more you can bear and they take it out of context. You know, all the way they're saying he put it on you so you can bear it. That's not what he's saying. Mm. It's not saying. It's just saying, hey, you know, he says, hey, in a temptation, I will give you a way of escape. That's it. Yeah. He mm -hmm. said, okay, I've already provided a way of escape. Now, the question is, are we going to take it or not? Okay. And the thing Probably is, high know, percentage not. <laughs> but the, the thing is, and I, you know, even one of my coworkers, I was talking to, she was talking to me, and she was saying how some of our coworkers are going through things. And she said, you know, God is, you know, trying to get their attention. I said, no, he's not. Oh my gosh. He's not trying to get the attention <laughs> through bad stuff. Because I asked her, and Julius made a graphic. I said, would you want, I said, would you want your child to love you? You put something bad on your child to make your child love you. I said, would you do that? She said, no. I said, so why God's going to do that? Why are you going, okay, so I'm going to want my child to come to Christ. So you know what? Hey, I'm going to put a scorpion in there. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to come to Jesus. I want to get a revelation that they need they need Jesus. So let me put this scorpion in your bed and frighten you. And you know, and I she was like, you know, that kind of makes sense. No, that's not God. I said, now things happen. These things that happen, as Julie pointed out, maybe because you did something. Or, like I said, by us being in this world, we are affected by people's negative stuff or demonic activity. So we don't know what it, but that stuff happened. But that's not God saying, you know what, I'm trying to get your attention. So let me throw some stuff at you. You know, hurricane, storm, tornadoes, and all the stuff we got to get blamed for just to get your attention. Now, I told us, that can he work through that stuff? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's not his goal. Right. And see, and the thing about that is, it's like some it we the ones that's hard headed. Right. It's our fault that 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 all that that negative, yucky stuff has to be the thing that that, that stops us to get us to a place where we are looking at him, looking for him. Right. But we I'm not going to glorify the trouble. Right. 
the trouble is just is just it is what it is. It's something that we have to deal with in this natural world. But I'm not going to give the glory to the trouble is his goodness, his word that provides the growth, the provision, the protection, all that we need is is in him. Now, before somebody before anybody else says anything, I want to um read David's point. David's he's listening in with us. He says, the first thing he does is we lie down in green pastures. That is rest. He provides. The Hebrew word for rest is manuka. Man, now I, I know I butchered this. M-A-N-U-K-A. That's right. We rest in what is already done, mm-hmm. right? And another point he made, he has a couple of scripture references here we're going to go to. The Lord is. That's present tense. All right. So now thinking about what, what David just shared with us, the Lord is. He not, not was or, or will be. He is. So present tense meaning right now. Now. He is my shepherd. Right now. Mm. Right now. So the protection, the guidance, the provision is right now. Mm -hmm. It's right now. And see, the thing about that is if if I am in a place where I can rest in that, even though the, the trouble, the stuff comes, if you can remain in that place of peace, your your hearing is going to be clear enough for you to hear the answers of how to get out of that mess. But this is the thing that the enemy uses all of the chaos and the trouble and the confusion to try to distort our hearing, to bring fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, he has a couple of good scripture references here. First Kings five and four. Now I'm going to start for context. I'm going to start at verse one. First Kings five. And I read that in the New American Standard. Yeah. It says, now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon. When he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Haram, Harim had always been a friend of David. Then Solomon sent word to Harim saying, you know that David, my father, was, was unable to build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the wars which surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now. The Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. Look at that. Look at that verse. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. The Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. Aren't we called more than conquerors? Because Jesus was the conqueror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are more than conquerors. Why? Because we get to share in the spoils of war. What he has provided for us. 
We get to share. We, we get that because of him. Deliverance from death. Hell in the grave because of him. Yeah, Psalm 34. I have a little bit of reference, but many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. You're going to look at that. Yeah, David gave us this reference too. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic. says, Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when he comes, but its leaves shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought nor shall it cease yielding fruit. That sounds familiar, don't it? Yes. It's all one. Yeah. So, the Lord is making it abundantly clear who, who he is. So this is how David can say, the Lord is my shepherd. So that, that, that should be our verbiage, our reality. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. Let's look at verse 3. It says, Psalm 23.3 says, He... Refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness and right standing with him. Not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. In the New Living Translation, it simply says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Bringing honor to his name. There's a book that a shepherd wrote many, many, many years ago, um, going through the uh, Psalm 23, and I I don't remember the title or the name of the author, but um, the verse three really, stuck with me all these years when he says he restores my soul because he he um, explains it in a shepherd's point of view. Um, that's a very specific time of the year when the wool is the heaviest and sheep um, tend to fall over and they cannot right themselves. And if they stay on their back, they will die. Yeah. And so the shepherd actually comes and scoops them up and rights them on their feet which to me just says, wow, that's a dramatic restoration. That's not just, you know, oh, poor baby, you skinned your knee kind of situation. It's like the... the Life or death. Yes, life or death. You know, for the, for the person that says, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm too sinful and God could never do anything for me. It's like, 
He's got it. He's got it covered. Um, in verse four, could uh, the valley of the shadow of death, could that be representative of this world? You know, in general? I can see that. I can see that. It's a shadow of death. So we live under. When I look at that word shadow, though, it's like, okay, this means that it's not really real. It's like, who's afraid of the shadow? So he says shadow of death. So it's like, okay, I mean, it's there, but it's not really. Would you be afraid of your shadow? Well, there's an actual valley called Death Valley. Because mm -hmm. I was thinking that um, in a literal sense, and then I said, yeah, there is. There's an actual valley called Death Valley in America. So that could be a literal place. The shadow part, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you remember when in Corinthians where Paul says, death, where is your sting? Right? Mm -hmm. Because he has delivered us from death. Now, Jesus tarries. You know, we will experience natural death in the, in the physical sense, physical bodies. But our souls, our spirits will live on forever and we'll get new bodies. So death is no more because he defeated death, meaning separation from him. So even when this physical body gets laid down, there is no death or separation from him. The commentary. Yeah. All right. Life application study Bible. The com commentary here says, when we allow God, our shepherd, to guide us, we have contentment and refreshment. When we choose to sin, however, we go our own way and cannot blame God for the environment we create for ourselves. Our shepherd knows the green meadows and the peaceful streams that, that will restore us. We will reach these places only by following him obediently. Rebelling against this, the shepherd's leading is actually repelling, rebelling against our own best interests. Remember this the next time you attempted to go your own way rather mm -hmm. than the shepherd's way. Mm, that's good. Now, I asked ChatGPT what the valley of the shadow of death is. All right, this is what ChatGPT says. It is a phrase from the Bible, specifically Psalm 23. It is a metaphor for a dark and difficult period in one's life. 
when they feel they are going through a time of immense hardship or danger. It can also refer to the actual valley in Israel near Jerusalem, which was a treacherous route in ancient times. Yeah, I was saying click on that yeah. They don't have any 7-Elevens out there <laughs> in those right. days. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about what the commentary we got just here. And then think about the, the imagery that Mary gave us about the sheep. Like, just imagine, because you've seen sheep that have that wool that's so heavy. Like, it's yes. just, it is, it is massive. So if they fall, they can't pick themselves back up. Because it's too heavy, it's too yeah. much. So how many of us have been in that been in a place where we felt like it was too much? I Life is too heavy. I tried to do something fun at the end of the, my thing and then I got stuck and my skis were back and I couldn't do anything. So yeah, that was my long time ago. <laughs> And I had to wait for somebody had to that come. Help, right? Like what happened? Job on my, I, like my skis were bad, mm -hmm. and I couldn't get them off me. I couldn't get them off me, and that's like, so that you know, I don't know where that came from. Thank you, Jesus. But <laughs> I know what that was like. It's relatable. Yeah. It's like I can't move. Yeah. So you just in a helpless state, right? Now let me look at. Let me read the commentary for. For verse four, all right. See, the commentary for verse four in Life Application Study Bible says, "Death casts a frightening shadow over us because we are entirely helpless in His presence. We can struggle with other enemies, pain, depression, disease, and injury, but our strength and courage cannot overcome overcome death. In terms of this life, death has the final word. Only one person can walk us through the depths." through death's dark valley and bring us safely to the other side, the God of life, our shepherd. Because life is uncertain, we should follow the shepherd who offers us eternal comfort and light in the darkness. So you see there's a lot here in verse four that we can extrapolate. Right. But our, our shepherd has provided provided a, a pathway for us, guidance and comfort. Now, since we're on the theme of, of the shepherd, let's go to John ten. John ten. Now, I'm going to start at verse 1, but, and I'm going to go down to like 13 to 12. I read this in the New Living. All right. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1, says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate 
is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, just get this in your head now. Just, just get the imagery, right? Shepherd. The sheep know who their shepherd is. So when their shepherd speaks, there's the sheep following their shepherd, right? Now, if you don't have a revelation of the Lord being your shepherd, then is it feasible to believe that you'll be you'll be susceptible to hear other voices mm-hmm. right i remember you just reading some on this and they were saying how when you go into the um the sheepfold the sheep can be mixed up it could, with you know it may be more than one shepherd's sheep in that fold but once that shepherd speaks, his sheep is going to come follow him versus other ones going to stay. Mm-hmm. So it could be many different shepherds, mm-hmm. sheep in that fold. But when that shepherd comes in, and, yeah. then they just going to follow him. Yeah. I think that's important too. And I got to thinking, I go, I had did... You know, well, my testimony is that I needed to know God's voice coming up in my church and stuff and not just like listen to every voice of well, many people, but you know, well, God says this and then others said God says this and it can throw a lot of confusion out there if you don't really <laughs> listen to God. But I thought I said I, I saw a lot of that same mistake happen with, you know, youth that I grew up with and stuff too. As you know, I noticed, you know, it, it was nothing wrong with absolutely not, you know, parents having the children, you know. Bible time or go to youth group or stuff, but I noticed a lot of, and it was, you know, something I missed on doing too myself is um, having a relationship with God, you know, like instead of just the structural stuff, which was important, you know, to know the word and everything, but like there was no, like I said, the knowing the voice, you know, um, you know, teaching the kids, like, hey, you know, God loves you and. He wants the best for you and talk to God and whatever. I remember even, um, I, I believe it wasn't, I mean, <laughs> there may be some of us would agree with or not agree with. I can't say I agree perfectly with this person, but well, I'm not going to say names, but a minister, a very well-known minister, mom and I were talking about this recently. When his daughter was in her like teens, she had went to him and said like, hey, dad, I want to go to this party. I guess some school members or something's going. Mm-hmm. And he told her, he goes, I want you to go to your room. I want you to go talk to Jesus about it. He left it up to her. He goes, if Jesus says you can go, you can go. And if he says no, no, she, he told her to do it. She came back. She went a few hours or whatever, a few minutes, whatever. And she came back. She goes, Jesus said, I can't go. And I go, that's so important. Instead of just being like, no, yeah, blah, blah, blah. The scripture says this. It's like, go, go talk to God. And I'm like, I'm sure that's a scary feeling sometimes probably for a parent. I haven't parented yet to go, okay, God, 
trust this kid can listen, you know, they've uh, cultivated, you know, <laughs> that mm-hmm. they can hear your voice, but just that that's so important. Well, she the connection, said, you know. Um, yeah. He says, okay. No, she come back and said, yeah. He said, no. I go, there's, some, said, there's something good there, no. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we have your answer then. Well, he was training her how to hear, but she kind of, you know, I've, I've come in kind people, you know, when you talk about hearing God's voice, they like, well, I've never heard God speak. You know, and it sounds so strange, and I'm like, okay, you've never heard God speak to you. And to what you said, you know, God can speak to you in your spirit. You know, I'll tell you, and I like yeah. the story of the little girl, but to me, the word is where it starts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah. Because, it is, yeah. Because yeah. this is where it starts, because a lot of people, you know, hear this audible voice or whatever, can, you know, but, you know, I'm, many times, you know, I hear stuff, and maybe we hear stuff that's Preachers preach, or maybe somebody may say, and I've met people out who confronted me and invited me to their church, and they started talking about, and they started talking, and it's like, well, you know, scripture is like, no, that's not, because you know how the enemy know how to mm-hmm. pervert something or twist something just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's a, yeah. To say, you know, oh, yeah, to get you, but when you know this first, yeah. When I'm in the word on a consistent basis and somebody yeah. says something says, Wait, you know what? That don't sound right. Yeah. Because yes, the scripture says this and I understand no, so I tell people this is where it starts. If you wanna try to hear his voice, and I like the fact that we're reading he puts more emphasis on knowing his voice. Which well, starts with the word. Because if you don't start here yeah. and you and you have believers who, you know, they're saved, thank God, but they don't spend no time in the word. Yeah, and so I don't. So when somebody says something, then you you may be gullible, or vulnerable to follow them because you don't even know what scripture says, mm-hmm. and it may sound good. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, Andrew talks about what he call those uh, sacred cows and stuff. Yeah. Where stuff sounds yeah. good, but it's not really document sounds. Yeah. Truly. Right. Yeah. Now, um, what um, I, I saw like a, a, a image, right? Of um, impersonator, okay, okay, right. So think about think about uh, these celebrity impersonators, oh, yeah. how they can impersonate the voice of certain people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Right, and if you if you just heard the voice, then if you didn't really listen extremely close, you couldn't really tell the difference. Now, don't we have an enemy that presents himself as an angel of light? Right. But or is as a it, lion. Right. 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 And he, he goes about as a roaring lion. Mm-hmm. Right? But he's, he's not the lion. He's not a lion. But he goes about as one. So what Eric is talking about, about being familiar just immersed in the word how vital that is because if you just think about how a child you could take a three four year old put them in a group you know in class 30 40 kids when they mom or daddy come in say their name they turn turn. why because they know their voice. They've been familiar with their voice. They've been hearing that voice 
days, weeks, months, years. So it is with us. When, we, when we're in the word, like just imagine you, you, you read scripture every day. Now, you, of course, you know, it don't take eight, nine hours a day. But just just over time, just can just listening to the listening to the scripture on your Bible app, read a chapter a day, the verse of the day every day, all that type of stuff, you get acclimated to the voice. So when an impersonator comes, when an impression comes, that's that's off, you're going to be able to what? To recognize it, right? Because you know your shepherd's voice. I think that goes hand in hand with the very first two verses again. Because it says, I shall not want. And then the very first thing he says is the making me lie down in green pastures. I always associate that with the word. Because we know the bread of life is what we eat. And the green pastures for a sheep is what they eat. Right. And then the, he leads me beside the still waters. To me, that water always speaks of Holy Spirit. And, and, and the still waters, that still quiet voice in us. So it's that combination of his spirit and his word working in us. And, and that's the first thing he makes us to, to lie down. And he leads us. He's the one promoting that so that we learn his voice. Yeah, I think it's so good to, you know, ask God to when we're reading the word, you know, like yeah. show us what the truth really is because then you have so many times where we, you know, I know we've all known that one minister, they can quote the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to mm -hmm. Revelation 22 or 21, whatever it is, the last verse. <laughs> and we even heard like one of the ministers, I'm not going to say names, but it chilled us to the bone. I guess because we listen to Andrew a lot, we you know have you know we know, and this minister who I mean he can quote the Bible backwards probably that's how good he knows it. He goes, God never promised he was going to heal you or something. He was really some really undoctrinal stuff. And I go, it was. It was have you had any Holy Spirit time? If you ask God His heart for you, He wants you healed, brother. You know <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, it's, and it's, I go to. I had to hear it again. A heavy duty reader of the word and teacher of the word, and he goes, it, God never said he was going to do it. I'm like, um, and I'm like, it's called Isaiah 53. Did I um, he did say that, you know, Jesus took that, and I go, you know, just making sure, I guess, you know, when we read, you know, it's like, God, let the what is it, the logos become real, let the, the written become life, you know, life word mm -hmm. in us. When I hear something like that, it's like um, the you know the word. It's like okay, well, where did God say that in His Word? I I never promised you that I would heal you. If they can't quote that to me, then no. It's awesome. like yeah. you know, it's like God has to say, "I never promised I would heal you." If they can't tell me there where you. that is, where God, I don't want your opinion. I don't want anything. Where did God say in his word, quote, I never said I promised to heal you. If you can't quote yeah. it in the Bible that yeah. God said this, I've got a real problem with that. Yeah. And you, for mm -hmm. would you guys call that statement a lie? Like, oh, what? Absolutely. how do you quantify 
that statement that they said. Yeah. Is that, do, do, would you, or not categorize it, would you call that statement a lie or how would you? I was, it, it basically what is, is, that? is, is skewed doctrine. Yeah. It's yeah. off doctrine is what it is. It's circumstance theology. Okay. That's yeah. what it is. Because I understand that. It's circumstance theology. That's what I it is. Okay. This person is a, was a, till then that statement was made, it was, he, 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 he seemed to be so profound. Mm. It would, it, because it seems so, and then when that was said, it just, it's like, because I already knew, and I knew what I was raised on, I knew what God, I saw it. I saw it happen, all the miracles I saw, and that God wants you well. And, and, right. Uh, but that again, it's just circumstance theology. Because if, because I, I, I guarantee if you look at not just him, but uh, you know, a lot of well, people, a lot of people, almost the whole Baptist church, a lot of people, right? Now, well, I mean, but because the thing about that is you see what the scripture is saying, it's right here, it's right Isaiah, there. Isaiah 53, it's right there. 54. What what Jesus did in his own ministry, yeah. public ministry throughout the gospels, yeah. all that. So you can't deny healing being a part of being God's will. Or otherwise he wouldn't have done it. He said, I don't do anything but what my father tells me to do. But he saw he healed these folks, right? So what are you talking about? This is what it is, circumstance, theology, because when you pray and somebody close to you or somebody you know, you pray and they don't receive their healing, there's a there's is is a question mark there. Doesn't hurt. It's a it's a question mark. So if why didn't he heal them? Yeah, why didn't that person get healed? Why didn't that prayer get answered? Now, if you put the answer to that question above the reality of God's promise, then you're going to be subject to circumstance theology. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. Because the, the circumstance is going to dictate how you interpret the scripture mm -hmm. instead of you interpreting life through the scripture. Because see, and that's what trouble and trial wants to do to us is to get us to flip the order. Instead of us looking at life through the scripture, it, it it wants us to look at scripture through life. Because I what she said, you know, where I grew up with, okay, we, we didn't totally deny healing, but it was always, y'all heard this, if it's his will. And so it was like, it was up to God and whether he want to do so it. So he may heal you. But he ain't want to heal me. He ain't want to heal roulette. me. It's a roulette wheel. Spin it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I like just that. Spin it. Now it's, it's a roulette wheel. So it's like, well, yeah, let's see. Spin that. Let's see where it comes right. up on that wheel. So if I don't come up on the wheel, wheel, like you said, I don't get healed. And so, but that was You're what healed. was ingrained in me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm God can heal, but if you want to, he may not want to heal me. So I may have to suffer from that's like with this disease or whatever this this thing. And so therefore. Because it's his will for me to go through this or have this. And so I just got to just, you know, okay, this is what I'm going to deal with. And I'll just accept it. And so, yeah. and then you, when you're taught that ingrained in that, then you, 
Like, okay. But then as I began to yeah. got older and begin to worry, then like I said, my thing was was Creflo Dollar. He began to teach stuff like it's God's will. I'm like, wait a minute. And then like you said, he showed you scripture. Yeah. What tells you plan it, it is his will. And then he in one of the uh he has, he says, um, uh, faith begins where the will of God is known. Yeah. When he said that, I was like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So your faith is not going to be activated unless mm-hmm. you are sure Mm-mm. about what his will is. Otherwise, you ain't sure, then your faith is not going to be activated. Yeah. You're always going to be uncertain of whether you're going to get it or not. And so you, it's going to be hard for you to receive on, on a consistent basis, rather, if you just like, well, I'm not sure if, if he does it. Yeah. He good if he's not. I'm okay with it. But like you said, the short, the comments where it says, "Okay, yeah. this is what I have already done for you. Yeah. Now you have to receive it." But also, um, Jesus makes it very clear: the people who didn't get healed when Jesus prayed for people, it was never because of him. Right. Yeah. Every you know, I it was always about the person. It was never because of. Jesus's or ability. Uh, yeah, Jesus's will, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I His know. will was is very clear. Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus said, I've only did what to see the Father doing. And Jesus's will to me seems very clear. Mm-hmm. I love to a uh, story from um you know Andrew Womack and stuff that where he was where he, he, and he, one of his big stories where he goes, you wouldn't have probably heard about him if he hadn't like submitted to this. But when he was in his old church, when he was like 21, probably years old or something, him and Jamie were engaged. And the minister was like basically saying to him all this, like, I won't say crap, it's a good expression, but about how he was going to, you know, go through this disease and he was going to go through this and that and the third. And Andrew said he listened to all, but he was, he loved God and he had a passion for him. So, he thought it was godly at first, and he was like, yeah, okay, whatever, and he was going to submit to it. But when the guy, you know, Andrew said, Satan always overplays his hand, he goes, the guy kept going, and you know what, son, I've, um, God put me on a fast from the word for so many years or whatever, it was ridiculous seven. now, seven years yeah, or something. Like and yeah. yeah, and Andrew was like, something clicked in him, and he goes, he didn't know much, he goes, but I knew what my, my Bible said, he goes, I knew what the word says, I was to meditate in his word, day I and, know. I, and that was enough for a click, he goes, he goes, I used to, he goes, I reject this, I reject that, he grabs your Jamie's hand, he walks down there with a bat, oh my god, yeah, important to know the word, important to know God's will, yes, yeah, so, maybe never, maybe never heard of it, you're yeah, no, no, I wouldn't know what to say now, but, sorry, Let's go to Luke 11, another one of our, our favorite scriptures. Luke 11, start at verse 11, because, you know, this whole idea of God's will, right? Like, what is it? And just adding on Dave, one of Davis' points on, on that, what we were just talking about, circumstance theology, says it is, a easy, it is easy doctrine for people. They treat life like fate. Right. Life to those Christians is like backgammon or rolling dice. Right. Now, 
just think about, all right, God's will for you. What is his will for you as you listen to Luke 11? Starting at verse 11, it says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Some manuscripts add for bread, do you give them a stone? Right. Think about it. I'm going to read it again. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Well, we got Arison, that's one, Scorpio. <laughs> Just for fun, why not? All right. Let's do the scorpion. Let's uh, get to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number 12. Verse 12. Or if they ask for an egg, mm-hmm. do you give them a scorpion? So you already did that. <laughs> 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 you didn't oh. want an egg and you give them a scorpion. <laughs> Go, Eric. All right. Now, what's Jesus' answer to this? Of course not. Of course not. Only Eric did that. Now, th- th- now, before we go to verse 13, now look at what it says. Fish. Now, so now if a child is asked for fish, that represents what? Food. Mm-hmm. Nourishment. Right? Fish. Do you give them a snake instead? So what would a snake represent? It's an I mean, this this doesn't sound like trouble to me. Yeah. Sounds like an issue. Because you're not going to eat it. No. Well, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Again, an egg. What is the egg for? To eat. It's provision. Yeah. All right, nourishment. Do you give them a scorpion instead? Now, according to some of this doctrine, you know, you, you hear, the answer would be yeah. Because I had to teach you something with that scorpion. A scorpion. That snake, I had to teach you something. But it says, of course not. It was verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And see, this this right here, again, we talk about hearing God's voice, right? Reading His Word and knowing His character, you 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 can discern what's of Him and what's not. And just like the, you know, the, the story with Andrew, where the guy is just, you know, he's giving all this false, this, this false prophecy. It sounds religious. It sounds, it sounds religious. Mm-hmm. But then that last part about him having to fast from the word, that is blatantly unscriptural. <laughs> Blatantly unscriptural. The Bible read it, right? Right. 
But again, if he wasn't in the word and didn't know that, then guess what? He would have been subject to receive that prophecy. That false prophecy. And this is what I'm saying. You know, this did we you know, I just me thinking about it right now, I gotta repent for just not appreciating what I have right here. The this the the ability to just I got like five tabs of Bibles open right now. And all kinds of translations, got commentaries and stuff. Yeah. I was I was listening to it in the bathroom this morning. Every time we can't think of a reference too, we go, hey. I'm not gonna say earlier she might come up, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably come yeah. up. But, you know, hey, like, you, you what uh, you know, um, you know, what's what, you know, what scripture reference is this? You know, this right. was my shepherd. It's like Psalm 23. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You know, yeah. it's right here. So we want to hear his voice. If we if we hungry for it, we can hear it. Mm-hmm. And see, and just like Eric was talking about, the more in tune we are with this, the written word. Then we'd be able to improperly interpret those inner impressions, those thoughts that you know are from him to give us guidance and specific like decisions and things to do. Because without the word, and if we trust on experiences and visions and all this type of stuff, you subject to deception. I mean, because I can smoke dope and have some visions. <laughs> But I think we want to jump a little bit or a wine bottle. Yeah. Like, like a, but I think yeah, we, we get hooked on the spectacular. Oh, God gave me a word. I, you know, heard him or, you know, through this situation that way or, you know, through the through the prophet or through the man, the pastor. Oh, my God. You know, we just fascinated with the spectacular. But we, we start saying, well, you, you want a word or not? Read a word. Well, that's kind of boring. Where did I start? You know, because that's boring. I mean, I gotta read. It's like okay, read. No, it's boring. But we we hooked on the spectacular. We want something that really just boom. You know, yeah. Out of us. Yeah, all this versus you know, and and it's interesting. Cause I was listening to my priest this week about um, Elijah when he wanted to hear from God. You remember the story where he yeah. Mm-hmm. Was was the 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 big old thunder? Mm-hmm. He didn't hear thunder. it, no, and then what was the earthquake or something? Earthquake. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't hear it now. Still, still small voice. All these stories. Yeah. Still small voice. That's so that's what he got his word from. The still waters. Still voice. Yeah. I was thinking about that early when you said that. I was thinking about yeah, but he he earlier. still small voice. That's what he got his answer. Because then you're quiet and you're focused and you could hear his voice right. when we're still. We're at peace and we're resting, trusting him. Going, I have to know answer. Can you tell me? So you can hear him. And you're, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. they can't drink the water if the water's not still. I had heard that too. It's like they're like, because there's so much turmoil, you can't hear, you can't focus because there's so much turmoil. I'm saying we're looking for, we're looking for a spectacular, we're looking for somebody. You know, yeah, prophecy yeah. or something. There ain't no wrong with all that. No, nothing. God can use all yeah. those things. And he does. But when it comes to just reading the word and you know, I think that's boring to some people. They're like, well, I don't really want to do that because that's not. I don't think, and maybe you don't think they can they can hear God that way. But 
That is the main way he speaks to us. It'd be kind of cool to think like in any relationship. I mean, it could be romantic. It could be like mother-daughter friendship thing or whatever. Is like, I think, you know, in each relationship, we have highlight points. Like, you know, of course, like when you get married, you get married. Or your first date, you get engaged, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, but, you know, we live every day together. You know, people do and we talk. And I mean, that's important. I mean, I think that's some of the stuff we're going to remember when we're in our 90s, you know. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you remember that day, you know, that I fixed your lunch, honey, and oh my gosh, I forgot to put the jelly in the paper and jelly sandwich. And, you know, just the, you know, we don't appreciate those simple things versus the spectacular, the well, like you said, the spectacular, the wedding and the reception. That's all wonderful, of course, you know, but it's just, you know, the everyday stuff. Now, we're going to go there and we're going to close out here, but I want us to think about, again, the whole idea of disasters and tragedy and trouble being used to get your attention. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start at verse 10. No, I'm going to start at verse 9. Are you still in Luke? No, uh, First Kings nineteen. I'm sorry, First Kings nineteen. Oh, first, sorry, I'm not hearing it right. All right, man. For context, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start at verse seven, and, and uh, verse twelve is our our key verse here. All right, First Kings nineteen, in New Living Translation, starting at verse seven. All right, it says. The angel of the Lord came on again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate, drank and food and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Now, in the King James, in verse 12, it says, after the fire, after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after it, the fire, a still, small voice. And it translates, in the still sign that says, delicate, whispering voice, delicate. That's when you have to pay attention. Now, you see... He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the the wind. He wasn't in the fire. But in the still, small voice. Right? 
So what does that translate into? Just think about it. The trouble, the tragedy, the calamity, right? Everybody has seen, experienced, or knows someone has experienced these things, right? Scripture says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, the fire, the windstorm, but in the still small voice. So if I want to hear him, I need to do what? Listen for the voice and not the trouble, not the earthquake, the windstorm. Or the fire. How did he know that the Lord's voice was not in those things? Well, apparently he had some, he had to have, to me, in my opinion, some experience of hearing God's voice. Yeah. Had to be previous. Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah. Good, thank you. That's the answer. That's true. That's it. Yeah. It seems sometimes it seems obvious, but not to everybody. Because I think this story comes right after where he, you know, um, Elijah has this victorious moment where the prophets and he shows off and says, you know, okay, the prophets had their God and build this altar and says, you know, and Elijah says, okay, let me let you go first. Your God, your your God can. You know, burn this altar right now and fire, okay, we'll worship, but after you do your own, do mine. And then once he did his, and, and really it's funny, because Elijah is picking one, and he says, when their God don't show up, he's like, well, maybe your God's asleep. You need to wake him up. And then he says, oh, maybe he went to lunch or something. <laughs> then I think one translator, the guy, because I was out listening to him, he was saying, one translator says, Put in everything. He said, well, Maybe your God went to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. That's and, uh, funny. He says, You know, we got to wait till he comes back from the bathroom. Yeah. But he, was, he was joking. He was just really poking fun at him then. But then once it's his turn, God just shows up. Not only burns up the sacrifice, they, they had dug ditches and put mm -hmm. water in it. And then they had wet the wood three, four times. God just like showed up mighty. But huge victory. So he had this. My thing is, he was know God's voice then to know that okay, God's gonna do this. He saw God work miraculously, but now in this situation, he's kind of depressed. He's like, oh, okay, I'm by myself, and so God speaks to him in um, still small voice. That's good. Yeah, because all that is in Kings 18. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that that's just on a side note. You see how. After a tremendous victory, how Elijah was vulnerable at that point. Mm -hmm. After that tremendous victory. Yeah. Right. Mm. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. All right.